My message today is entitled, Fully Orchestrated. What's going on in the world today? There's chaos all over the place, not just in Europe. There is division, there is fighting, there is complaining, name-calling, pride rising up, people being offended, people staying offended. There are wars. There are rumors of wars. And great fear of even bigger wars. A college basketball coach punches another coach during an after-game handshake line. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but a violent riot broke out, broke out at a soccer match in Mexico. The stands and the crowd, and outside the stand, many, many, many people were hurt. People are blaming other people all over the world. Negativity is the predominant mood. It seems like almost everyone has an opinion about something that they don't like. And there's no self-control anymore to hold back criticism of others. It's all over the world. As the body of Christ, as Jesus' representative in the earth today, what are we to do? How do we proceed? How does God expect us to respond to the division across the entire world? Well, I want to go to the Word of God for direction as we are commanded to do. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Tells us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We are to stand in God's power and in God's might, not attempt to stand in ours. When you see what's happening around the world, people are attempting to stand in their own power and in their own logic. But we are instructed clearly to stand in the power of, of God's might. We are to be strong in the Lord and not in and of ourselves or just purely in and of our resources. But we need to make a daily choice to stand in His strength. Therefore, each day we must be intentionally willing to choose to do this. Ephesians 6.11 6, says we should... Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's a daily choice we have to make. Remember, some, many people know this verse is not in the PowerPoint here, but the verse that Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to daily pick up your cross and choose to follow me. It's a daily choice. It's not just because we become a Christian we have the armor of God magically on us like Iron Man hits a button and it's already on him. We have to choose to put on the armor of God daily. Whenever we attempt to stand in our power and in our logic and in our ways to respond, we fall right in line with the devil's schemes. Look around you in the world today. Do you think that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is happening simply because one deranged tyrant decided to attack a neighboring country without a justifiable reason. You think all this is because of one person in Russia. Do you really think that one crazy dictator is to blame for all this turmoil around the world? You see, the more that we blame individuals, the more we believe that a different individual can fix the problem that the world is facing. And when we do that, we fall right into the devil's schemes, as talked about 
in Ephesians. As bad and as unjust and as horrible as the war in Ukraine is right now, and again, we have family members there. We have a family member there. Just talked with her on Friday. As bad as that is that's going on in Ukraine right now, as selfish and as treacherous as Vladimir Putin is, is being right now, we have to understand that this is a fully orchestrated attack from the enemy, from the devil, working through people who are more focused on what the world has to offer than being focused on God and his kingdom. We have to see that this unprovoked Russian invasion, the divisive political climate in America, the explosion of culture wars and gender wars, the lies in the media, the destruction of marriages and families and communities, the fights at school boards, the arguments over the pandemic are all part of the devil's fully orchestrated schemes. The devil himself is sowing confusion in the hopes of reaping division. He is, he is pulling all the strings. And the more we put all the blame on each other and not consider the devil's orchestration, the more that anger burns in our hearts. The less we seek God as the only answer, and the more we are playing right into the devil's hands. Listen, when I was younger, there was just five boys in my family and one girl. The first four boys were all a year apart. When I was a junior, there was a brother in each grade in high school. I would love to say that we never fought, but we fought all the time. All the time. On the way to school, on the way to church, on the way to the doctor's office, down to the end of the driveway. We fought all the time. And so my dad, rest his soul, I love my dad, um, but one of the ways that, you know, they had cheap entertainment back then. One of the ways he'd have some friends over and they'd have a few beers. And one of his best friends, his name was Pete. I, for many years we called him Uncle Pete. We thought he was one of our uncles. It wasn't until years later he was just a friend of my dad's. Um, but Uncle Pete would come over, and this is how they would have fun. They'd sit around the, the living room, and Uncle Pete would tell one of us, Hey, Brad, your brother Steve over there, he called you a dummy. Hey, Steve, come here. Your brother Brad over there, he says that you walk funny. He, they, he would purposely try to get us to fight at each other, and they'd sit back and laugh, laugh at us. No one, no one ever got seriously hurt, but he just... It, and I say that story because that's what the enemy's doing right now. He's putting an accusation in someone's head and he's doing something to someone else. He's telling you what to assume about someone else and he's pulling all the strings. And instead of going to God, we, we start fighting each other and it's the enemy that's pulling all the strings and he's sitting back and laughing. He's having a field day with what's going, not just in Ukraine, but all around the entire world on every circle of influence. Listen, the Bible has warned us about these times again and again. Today in our Bible studies, we studied Matthew 24 about the sign of the end of the times. It is remarkable how close it is to what's going on right now. Remarkable. If we are in the Bible and studying the entirety of the Bible, we wouldn't be so caught off guard and so blown away by the world events saying that we can't believe how bad things have gotten. 1 John 5.19 says this, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. If we are not founded in Christ and grounded in His Word, if we don't know the Word of God, we are tempted to sway. 
And there's great forces of turbulent winds right now by the enemy. And many people are under his sway. It's not just Ukraine who is under attack by a ruthless tyrant. The whole world is under attack by a mastermind with no soul. The devil has fully orchestrated this ongoing attack. It's all connected. All of the lies, all of the blaming that's going around the world today, all of the criticism, the arguing, and the negativity all finds its source in the enemy of our souls. We have to be able to see this in order to know how to respond. If we keep responding in the flesh, we will continue to enable the enemy and we'll be just like my Uncle Pete, causing disruption and, and, and sitting back and watching us destroy one another. Jesus said all this would happen. He said there would be earthquakes and pestilences. What are pestilences? Like the pandemic. Jesus said that would all would happen. He said people would be offended with one another and betray one another. Look at our politics. Look at the world today. He said the love of many would grow cold. He said nations would rise up against nations and kingdoms would rise up against kingdoms. He said lawlessness would abound. Look at the streets, what they've done to law and order. Some people are guilty. Some people are innocent. Some people are prosecuted. Some people are given a free pass. It's all the things that Jesus said would happen. We had his specific warnings for almost 2,000 years, and still we let it happen. Why? Because the overwhelming majority of people do not take Jesus at his word. We think politicians and social movements and the goodness of mankind can handle the challenges that come against us. We think that voting the right person in and voting the wrong person out is how to handle the world's problems. We think that we have enough sense to point out who is evil and who is good. Frankly, we think that we can stand in our own power, in the strength of our own power of our might, or the goodness of our hearts, or the wisdom of our collective minds to keep the, our world together. We cannot. We need Jesus Christ. He is the only hope of this world. He is the only answer. He's not just an option. He is our only hope. Amen. Because when someone comes against us, or they come against our, our ideas, or our opinions, we pull from the reserves of our flesh to wage war against one another. We blame. We criticize. We grumble. We accuse. And we think how wrong someone else is and how we could do such a better job. Listen, it's not people being evil. That's the enemy working through anyone who lets that opens that door to him. And many don't even realize that the door is open. We fail to see how the enemy is playing the main role in the scenes of all the division going on right now. He is fully orchestrating the division in the world today. Ephesians 6.12 such great truth here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Listen, if you can see the person you are fighting against, you're fighting the wrong person. Our, our struggle is not against 
flesh and blood. Paul implores us with this truth. Our fight, our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's the enemy working through people's ignorance, through people's sin, oftentimes through people's wounds and doubts and fears and pride that allow him to continue to wreak havoc on friendships, on relationships, on marriages and families and communities and businesses and churches. We have to stop fighting against one another and be convicted by the Holy Spirit of our wrong focus and our wrong response. God alone is our answer and God is love. We need to spend some serious me time seeking God, praying in the Spirit, interceding for the body of Christ around the world. We are in a fight indeed, but we need to know which enemy we are fighting. We need to be quick to love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, not to be so quick to disagree with them over trivial matters. If we're going to stand against the schemes of the devil, then we need to know what we are up against. In Ephesians, the devil is described as the prince of the power of the air. What does that mean? It means that there is a spiritual realm around the earth that we cannot see in the natural. There's still spiritual influences around the earth that happen all the time. They never take time off. In fact, they really turn up the volume when you're asleep or when you're getting over and you're tired. You know what I'm talking about. There's a spiritual realm around the world. It's where the devil and his demons engage in evil activity to seeking to disrupt the order of the world. They whisper accusations into your ears. They tempt you to judge others. They sow confusion in conversations. They prompt you to form opinions and then push you to speak your mind on matters that have no heavenly importance. And in doing so, the world becomes divided. One person at a time. Offense grows. Unforgiveness reigns. Relationships crumble. What's happening in Ukraine is horrible. But the same thing is happening all over the place right now. So why do so many people, including why do so many Christians, succumb to this prince of the power of the air? Well, Galatians 6-7 kind of gives us some truth on what's happening. Galatians 6-7 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Too often we reap division. We reap destruction and isolation because we have sowed, listen to this, we have sowed to the wrong realm. We get so enthralled by the pleasures of the world and the comforts around us and the things that are pleasing to the eye and welcome to the touch that even we many times end up seeking the things in the world where the enemy reigns in secret. Now, I'm not talking about not enjoying the blessings of creation. God created this world. This is God's creation. We are to enjoy God's creation. We are to enjoy the people he put around us. We are to enjoy the blessings he gives us. But many times our motivations and pursuit are off. And so we sow to the wrong realm. The enemy gets us many times to seek after money, after things and after desires that we think will make us happy. We often confuse 
worldly pleasures with blessings. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Listen, money is not evil, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And the pursuit for more money to be able to buy more comforts in this world has caused many to stray from the faith, often because they rely more on themselves to acquire that than on God. And when the focus of their pursuits is more on the world and less on God, the enemy sets his hook and then reels them in, telling them that whatever they have is still not enough. Thus they stray from the faith in their greediness and bring many sorrows and griefs upon themselves. That's what the Word of God says. Even well-intentioned Christians get sucked into this vacuum where they get caught sowing into the wrong realm. For it's more than just money that we often pursue. Sometimes we sow pride out of a desire to always want to be right and to always have the last word. Sometimes we sow blame because we fear feeling vulnerable if we have to own up to something that we chose to do. Sometimes we sow lies and denial because we want to avoid the feeling of rejection at all costs. So we're going to pass it off to someone else. Yet all these targets are in the realm of the world. They do not have their foundation in God's kingdom or in the heavenly realm. We're looking for something that's going to build our flesh and to make our flesh comfortable. That's the, the realm where the enemy is the prince of the power of the air. We need to be sowing into the heavenly kingdom, the heavenly realm. These are attempts to keep our flesh from being crucified. To keep our flesh from dying out so that our spirit can rise up and lead us. Galatians 5, 24 and 25 tells us this truth. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We must crucify the desires of our flesh or we will not be able to hear the prompting of the Spirit to lead us, to convict us to sanctify us, and to keep us close to God in times like these. Again, enjoy the things that God has given you. Enjoy the blessings. Enjoy the people. Enjoy His beautiful creation. But when our heart is more set after pursuing those things and our motivation changes to seek the things of the world more than the things of God, we miss the boat. Galatians 5.26 Let us not become conceding provoking and envying one another. We are warned about the power of the flesh to bring division and to provoke anger and disagreements. When we don't seek God first, we lose our focus and we lose our direction. There's a lot of people who are lost right now. Jesus is the only answer. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way. If you're lost, I am the way. And if you don't know who to turn to, I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. That's the message that we need to proclaim. We sow often to the wrong realm 
and reap of this realm where Satan is prince of the power of the air. Galatians 6, verse 8 says, He who sows to his flesh, wanting to keep our flesh alive and wanting to keep our flesh comfortable, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. When we sow to the flesh, we seek to appease the flesh or prevent it from being uncomfortable. We allow the flesh to stay alive and the spirit to be silenced. Whatever we sow and wherever we sow, we shall reap of that same kind and from that same place. We either reap corruption or we reap everlasting life. It is the devil who tries to confuse us about where we are sowing into. Should we be sowing into places that keep our flesh comfortable? Or should we sow into places that build up our spirit? You see, even when we think we are just seeking after health or peace or satisfaction, if we are not aware of our motivations, of our wounds, and our offenses, we often sow into the wrong realm. In fact, let me shed some light on one of the devil's most manipulative schemes. Matthew chapter 4, maybe you recall this when Jesus was sent out into the wilderness, fasted and prayed for 40 days, and then the tempter came to him. We, Of course, we all know the first time he came to him and he said, if you're hungry, let command these stones be turned to bread. And Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, but we shall live upon every word that comes from the mouth of God. But there was another in it was so pointed and so deceptive, and he still does this today. Matthew 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. The devil said, All this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. Now here's the deceptive part. This is God's creation. It is not Satan's. It's not the devil's to give away. But he intentionally showed not just the, the things of the world, but the splendor attached to it. He shows the splendor to each of us in the attempts to get us to desire after the splendors of this world. The flesh will always seek to desire after things that cause it to grow and to feel comfort and pleasure. And while Jesus rejected Satan's temptation here, choosing only to worship God, the devil presents these same temptations to us. While there's nothing wrong with enjoying God's creations and the blessings that we receive, every time we seek to fulfill the desires of the flesh more than the things of the Spirit, we risk coming under the influence of the devil and bowing down to him. Every time we seek to serve our pride by exerting our opinion over trivial matters that have nothing to do with glorifying God, when we focus more on the weaknesses of others instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us individually of our wrongs, when we choose to respond to injustice by spewing negativity instead of turning to God and crying out to Him, we also come to the schemes of the devil. And it's not easy. What's going on in the world right now is horrible, but this is a, an attack by the enemy that he's fully orchestrated. We have to make an intentional effort to stop serving ourselves, stop serving our flesh and serving our pride and consequently stop serving the enemy of our souls. How do we do this? 
how do we respond? We take a lesson from Jesus, our only hope, our only way, our only truth. Facing the temptation from the devil, Jesus stood on the Word of God. He said this in Matthew 4.10, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. There's only one way to break the coordinated attack of Satan. There is one way to disrupt his fully orchestrated plan. We have to stand on the Word of God. We have to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And we have to serve God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we fix our eyes upon Jesus and keep our focus on His kingdom, our desire is to serve others in the body. Not to do whatever we can to help serve ourselves, because when we're serving others, this is what it means. It means, God, I trust you that when I'm serving someone else, you're going to take care of my needs. And when I'm giving over here and I don't have nothing else, God, you're going to provide that, that resource for me. That's why a church continues to stay alive, because it gives to local missions and international missions. And as we serve others, we, are be, we will be projecting love, and we are showing God that we trust him that he's going to take care of us in the process. But if we're only seeking for ourselves and fighting for ourselves, we're saying to God, God, I don't trust you to meet my needs. I need to meet my own needs. And I need to take care of all my battles. But the truth is the battle belongs to the Lord because it is in a spiritual realm. Serving breaks that curse. Unconditional love of others breaks that curse. It is not easy. We need to daily choose to deny ourselves and daily put on the full armor of God so that in that evil day we can stand. That's what the Bible says. Our desire is to stand on the truth of the Word of God and to share the gospel, not fight over political ideals and societal movements. Our desire should be to seek and to save that which is lost, not judge and criticize those who are different from us. You know why they're different from us? Because they need Jesus. They don't have Jesus. They're not going to look like us. They're not going to act like us, respond like us. But they need Jesus. Even Jesus said to pray for your enemies and to love those who persecute you. Even Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. You cannot do that in your own strength no matter how good you think you are. It's not easy. But with Christ, all things are possible. Our desire is to serve others, believing fully well that when we take care of God's people, He takes care of us. When we are motivated solely by loving God and seeking first His kingdom and sharing Jesus in this world, we lose our desire to always be right or to always exert our opinion or to judge others or to blame people or to fan the flame of anger in our hearts. That's going on all over the world right now. When we take the time to put our focus back on God, who is always and forever in control, and right now is sitting on the throne, and nothing can take him from that throne, we put into remembrance the glory of our God. Only a transformed perspective of God can cause us to lift up the hope of Jesus Christ in the world today. Our world does not need our opinion on what is wrong or who is wrong or how we think it should be fixed. What our world needs right now more than anything 
is the hope that can only be found in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I talked about setting up early in Spike in volleyball. There are so many conversations all over the world at the supermarket, on, in schools, and communities. Every chance we get when people are saying how bad things are, when we can, all we've got to say is Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God has set these up for us. We need to share that. We are His light in this darkness. There are so many people in Ukraine, in Russia, in China, in Iran, in North Korea, and in America, all over the world that need to know the truth of God's Word, that need to know forgiveness, to break the power of darkness, of condemnation. They need to know compassion. They need to know redemption and salvation. Our own lion's den right here preaches these. That's the heart. How prisoners are broken out of captivity. It's the heart how people break free from condemnation. It's the truth and the living Word of God. There's so many that need to hear that right now. They need to know that no matter where they are, no matter what they have done, no matter how far they seem to be away from God right now, that if they would just simply turn to Him, God would run to them. You see, so many people get so far away and they, and, and they don't know how to get back, but the truth is if they would just turn, if there were a hundred steps to God, if we simply turn and take the first step, God would actually run to them. The same way He's run to all of us. This has to be our message. Every one of us. We need to share the love of Jesus through the hope and promise of salvation. It's the only thing that can break the condemnation that has divided this world. It's time for us to carry God's fully, God's fully orchestrated plan into the world. It's time to share Jesus in every conversation, breaking the power of the enemy by leading with the truth of His Word and His perfect love. Finally, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means you don't need to let your flesh, kick your flesh out of the driver's seat. Sacrifice your desires and seek after the things of this world that God is leading us into. Seek after God's kingdom. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the power and the truth of Your Word. Lord God, we're reminded even in that story of the prodigal son that not only did you run, but you were expecting your son to return. That's why you saw him coming a long way off. Lord God, I pray, God, that we would internalize that truth and the people that we are praying for, that we would expect them to come to you. Lord God, let us not be drawn into pessimism. Let us not step into criticism. Let us expect the hope of Jesus Christ to change lives. We know not everyone will come. Lord God, but let us rest in your power, the strength of your might, and believe that you are the hope. Let us share that hope, your compassion, and your grace. We thank you for your power and for your perfect love. In Jesus' name.